All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What happened to the roll call, yo? Yeah. Like, Technology. Okay. Latency has, has done us. Oh, in, so. never mind. Never mind. Exactly. Upset. Just, upset. yeah, imagine Fallon. Are we looking for solutions? Yes, we are. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me attest that 2021 is the yeah i'm declaring it 2021 is the year of miracles and um i wanted this platform this quest love supreme platform so that not you know not only the people for myself i wanted to receive the holy scrolls of wisdom from the gods and let me just say be careful for what you ask for because I will declare today on you know this recording that my God is definitely a God of abundance, as this year has clearly shown. He's delivered to us uh, today one of the most influential creatives in music. Not a music God, not a veteran, not no, just absolutely one of the most unique, influential creatives in music, and and it's super, super, super rare that we get to speak uh to someone with 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 over 5 decades of excellence under their belt thank you. no exception thank you. uh ladies and gentlemen please welcome to Questlove Supreme the one and only Carlos Humberto Santana. <laughs> <laughs> that I got the name. Uh, Thank you. Carlos Santana. Quest, yes, Quest exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. How are you? Uh, wait, I should also note, occasionally I, I dig into the comments on, on our various platforms on YouTube and on IG and Twitter and whatnot. And um, I noticed that whenever we have uh, an axe master or an axe god, or just any other instrumental god that's not drum related, um, I don't go that deep into their craft. And I will admit that I am I'm not that well versed in asking super deep questions in terms of 
guitarist. So that said, this is a rare. Uh, now we're we're uh, a sixum uh, once again. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Laia with us. We have uh, Fontigolo. We have uh, Sugar Steve, Unpaid Bill, and uh, I decided last minute to ask my guitarist from the Roots, uh, Captain, Captain Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Yes, Captain. yes sir. Sir. I'm right. super honored to be here. Yeah. I'm- I I wanted the captain here just so that I don't leave any stone unturned because, you know, when we have Pat Metheny on the show or even when we had Jack White, cats asked me, like, well, how come you didn't ask him about, like, type of strings he used or that, like, sort of the the jargon that I wouldn't know to ask. I wanted to make sure that, you know, we we satisfy you nerds. So that's that's all. So welcome also, Captain Kirk, to the to the podcast. Okay, actually, Steve, do you, do you want to start with your question first? Oh well, I, I narrowed down my thousand questions to two, but uh, they they don't really belong at the top of the of the interview. But <laughs> that's because uh, if if you want, I can. Because I can. Steve's real first question was hilarious to me, and uh, no, we're not going to ask that. I I will say that. Um, oh, you want me to do the joke? Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, I see. But okay, we were, no, let me try. Saying, it. No, let me try it. Go ahead, Steve. Hit and it. What's it's your first question? Jo- it's only a joke because your your career is so long and, and distinguished that. Um, no, you don't okay. have to explain a joke. Right. Just say it. So, what was it like to work with Rob Thomas? <laughs> anyway, so time out. No, for he's real. on a new <laughs> record. He's on a new record. That joint banging. Just saying. I know. Yeah. I know this. I know. Uh, this. We we love him. We're just it's just Santana. Yeah, is, that's yeah. that was our first. Thing. I got we, it. But we start we start from the top, and actually, normally I ask about your origins, but I always wanted to know this the answer to this question. The first hour of your morning, what do you do? Oh, well, it's, it's a joy and an honor to be here with all of you all. And uh, the you. first thing that I, first thing that I do before uh, my feet touch the ground, I uh, I totally connect, uh, ignite gratitude because I understand completely that everything that I love about John Coltrane and people that I love, love, you know, with supreme and impeccable integrity, there's a, there's, there's grace and grace is, uh, it's like my Angela said, grace is all around us, but we the one that have to get in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, you can access and utilize grace which with grace, you can create miracles and blessings and do the impossible. Uh, I want to access grace every morning. So the first thing that I do, I make my mind and my heart be a thousand percent with gratitude. Thank you for my next breath. Thank you for my wife. You know, I love drummers so much. I married them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The one and only yeah. Cindy Blackman. Yes. 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 You know, but... The main, again, the main, main thing for me is those two components, grace and gratitude. With that, you can actually create the impossible. You know, you can make the invisible tangible, you know. And, and so once you understand that what shamans and people like Jesus and shamans, they create alchemy from wine to, from wine to, from water to wine. Well, the alchemy that we musicians, you know, uh, we make people happy because most people are not happy unless they're miserable. And so we rescue people from themselves by sound resonance, vibration. 
a melody and a rhythm that makes people believe that they also are worthy to receive directly from God. You know, so we get rid of the wretched sinner stuff. You know, get rid of that, that you know, un, uh, unworthy of God's grace. We get rid of that, you know, when we're playing music. And we invite people to claim your divinity. It's not arrogant. It's not cynical. It's imperative that you claim your divinity so you can get close to John Coltrane and Wayne and Herbie and the genius, genius, genius. Yo. Because that's what they did. I knew that was the answer. And I wanted to give y'all a preview of what I'm going to be like in about five years from now. Okay, so you got a little bit more work to do. A little bit, a little bit more work. Because that right there, yeah, that's... that's uh, Goals. Yeah. No, I, I, you know what? Um, because especially the, the, the period after the period after the, the third out al- the third record, especially starting with um with like the the Caravan Sarai, that yeah. album. I I don't know, for, for me I felt the need to ask you that only because because there's such a spiritual element to those runs of the, that run of, of records between seventy two and seventy eight that, you know, I I felt in my heart that, you know, you're more closer to, to I should have introduced you as a shaman more mm. than just a musician <laughs> or yeah. or that sort of thing. Because in mm. that gratitude, what does that look like, Carlos? Like, is that meditation? Is that just a moment just to sit and what? Gratitude to me looks like where I live now. I mean, I, I live in Las Vegas, but I also live in Kauai. And Gratitude is a rainbow talking to me. There's, there's, there's so many rainbows in Kauai, and they're specifically the ones that are so loud, they go, they hum. These rainbows are so alive, they hum. And I was watching one uh, early, early this year, and, and it, it, like, it tapped me on the shoulder, like, turn around. And because I was reading, turn around. I turn around, like, oh, and it's this. This rainbow, as clear as I can see your face, and this rainbow goes, you see me? And I said, yeah, I, I, I see you. He says, you know who I am? I says, yeah, you're God. And he goes, that's right. And you know what? I says, what? He says, I'm looking at you too. <laughs> that's that's wow. grace. That's grace. You know, because all of us need to be validated. You know, everyone in this planet needs to be validated and celebrated because God created us in, in his image, you know? So I, I, I'm very, very grateful that you offer me this platform because the things that I love most in this planet, besides the connection with a supreme being, is spirituality, sensuality, and African music. That's it. You know, because all three of them offer me a door to totality and, 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 mm. and, and completeness and mm. infinity. You know, you know when you play a solo and gravity disappears and time disappears and you go into this zone, they, basketball players call it the zone, but it's mm-hmm. called grace. It's called grace. When you get into that grace and you, you, know, you don't even remember what you did after you played it, that's what real musicians got to turn to the other musicians who be posing and capping and jiving and shucking and jiving. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Look, man. You, you can do better than that. Go deeper. 
and access that thing that you're beyond time. When, when you, every time you listen to a John Coltrane, I love Supreme. I play this music in every hotel that I get into. Why? To clean whatever happened the night before. What? You know? Wow. Yeah, whatever, whatever happened, whatever they did, I put a love supreme, light up some incense that I got from Alice Coltrane, and that room is mine when I come wow. back. Sonic Sage. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It, purif- it purifies. John Coltrane's music is, is a, if they would play this on CNN, the, the world would not be so infected with fear and separation. Dude. But, but you know you, that already. Come on. Um, um, here's the thing. Um, Good night. I, right. I, yeah, damn. Not not to totally all right. This this platform was meant to like review someone's history, but I I gotta stay here for just a little bit longer. Only only because the reason why I was excited to talk to you is because like I'm slowly starting my transformation into what what they call doing the work. You know, like the, the pandemic forced us to do the work. And I was like in a really, really dark place where I wasn't enjoying my creativity. I was squandering it. And it took not working last year for me to actually work you know, on yourself. Previous, like previously, if you if you were to say this to me in 2018, I would quickly be like on group chat with them like, okay, what drug is he on, right? You know, you know like when people just think like, uh, spiritual people are crazy, whatever. But it's like I had I had a moment where, you know, and this is ju- I'm I'm just a year into this where everything that you're saying I absolutely believe. Like you got to wake up, you got to wake up in gratitude, you got to meditate in the morning. Things I used to laugh at, and you know I tell people all the time, like I'm literally morphing to the human being I used to laugh at because mm-hmm. for some reason I you know I guess when you're when you're most black people in America, especially like my generation, like church is more of like a, an oppressive religious organization. Like they never teach spirituality. And I'm just learning that now, like at this stage of my life, the second stage of my life. And, you know, it's really good. I'm, 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 I'm happy to get talked to, to talk to a musician that basically uses their 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 art for that because you know you can clearly hear, like I hear the work of Coltrane and and that spirituality in in your work and well, you know thank you thank you I thank you. I always wanted to know like how how did Clive and especially like Walter Yetnikoff how do they receive you because normally with 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 uh, you know other label heads. It's either like hand me my hits or, you know, you get dropped from the label and you got to go elsewhere and whatnot. And yet, like Columbia sat by you for the for the longest. And so they and they let you find your spirituality. So I was always curious as to how. How you were allowed to explore those things and not sort of succumb to the pressure. I mean, there were occasional disco moments in 78 and whatnot, but, you know. Like was it was it hard navigating the spirituality that you have and also, you know, remaining a, a brand name musician in terms of being a product and being spiritual at the same time? It wasn't hard at all for me because uh, 
I knew since I was a child that this is for me, it's a way of life. It's not a profession, it's not a gig or a job. It's, it's a way of life. We started with the Beatrola, the, the records, the A-track, the cassettes, the CDs, you know. Those to me are like faucets. It's the water. Music is the water, the living water. So Clive Davis, Bill Graham and Clive Davis, when they met me, they realized that I wasn't pedestrian, that I wasn't necessarily a, a pedestrian guy. And what, I, what do I mean by that? Well, pedestrian guy, kind of they settle for you dangle money and they kind of jump over like a little poodle. You jump over things. Mm-hmm. And, and they realized that was priceless to me is committing career suicide. I'm going to go after John Coltrane, Weather Report, Miles Davis. And they said, but man, there's already Miles Davis and Weather Report, whatever. I know, but I need to learn something from them and, and teach the youngsters this because I can't just constantly keep doing all you come by and Abraxas in or Supernatural mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, by the grace of God, again, I'm able to reach the four corners of the world and touch many people's hearts. And, you know, like Tony Williams says, once you sell one record, you're commercial because you sold one record, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't look at like being commercial like a, a negative thing. I, I, I look at pretty much life the way the ones that I love and I adore, like Arthur Ashe, uh, Bruce Lee and Coltrane. People who, Bruce Lee, be like water. And be water, a cloud. Yeah. And a cloud, an ocean, a lake, a bathtub, you know. So that, what does that mean? It means that you have the capacity to be a multidimensional spirit that can play anywhere with anyone in compliment. So when I go to Africa, they know who I am. When I go to Ireland, they know who I am. When I go to Japan or New Zealand, they know who I am. And they know who I am because they play our music in their living room with grandma, grandpa, and the little kids, man. You know, and that's when you enter a whole other realm of like, Wow. I go to Paris and the gentleman who's helping us with the luggage and whatever, he says, Santana. I go, hi. He says, and then he points, he says, he points at his tummy. He goes, my wife, Sophia. I go, I beg your pardon? So Sophia, you know, uh, she, she got pregnant. My wife got pregnant when we were listening to the, your album, you know, like Sambo Batia. <laughs> so, you know, and I get that all over the world. So it means that your music, resonant sound vibration, is able to impregnate not only women, but men to believe that they can achieve beyond what religious books or, or, or institutions or governments tell them to do. You're at a multi, you are a multidimensional being. Let me say it really clearly like this. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly. Once you perceive, one more time, you cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly. Once you perceive you are a beam of light that comes from the mind of God, you carry yourself differently. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, 
you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where does all this come from? I mean, I know at some point, Amir, you're going to go, well, let's start at the beginning. But I am so... So curious. I know. I don't even want to start the interview yet. This is a pre-interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let, let like, Reverend Santana keep going. But seriously, uh-huh. though, where, does this, where did this light come from? What Was it a day? Was it a moment? Like, Or was it a, 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 a week, a month, a study? Where, where does it come from? Like, what was the moment? From being thirsty, you know, I'm always thirsty for adventure. And I'm not afraid of the unknown or unpredictability. I knew that I, that my first band uh, the, with the first three albums, we knew that it was fragmented and some people wanted to do journeys, some people want to do something else and whatever. And so I started reading the Oranta book and listened to Coltrane only. You know? okay. so, so I listened to the Oranta book. Later on, I, I, I got introduced to J.J. Hurtak's books, and I'll show you what they are. Thank you. And also, and also A Course in Miracles. All these, all these books that, that I'm going to introduce you to they have what you call nowadays spiritual data and how to transform your monkeyness and your donkeyness into an archangel energy, knowing knowledge. Because, you know, sometimes we act like monkeys and donkeys, you know, which means you succumb to what people say, well, you know, it's human nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have to be corny, cute, clever. And predictable. You, you, I could be a human being and still say, um, I'm going to play a melody that is going to make people cry and laugh at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they, they are, on a molecular level, they remember that they also have this gift, imbued gift, before we came out of the womb, imbued 
to create blessings and miracles. That's what music is about. There's show business, there's entertainment, and then there's music to really elevate, transform, and illumine the human consciousness of this planet so we don't have the stuff that's been happening for the last two years, fear and separation and, and superiority and racism. All that stuff comes from one word, fear, fear. And that's why I play Coltrane all the time, because as soon as I play a love supreme, fear disappears immediately mm-hmm. in the room. Wow. Okay. Now, now I got to go to the first question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now will you tell us what it was like to work with Rob <laughs> Thomas? <please? laughs> Shut up, Steve. All right. Can you, can you tell me what was your first musical memory? My dad, my father, he, we were in a, in a yard, in the backyard, in Outland, Jalisco, a small little town. And it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. Everything's kind of gets gold. You know, when the sun goes down, everything looks golden. And my father, he was already teaching me how to read and wanted to teach me how to play the violin. So he opened up the violin case, grabbed the violin, put it, put it up here like this. And then he goes, mira, which means look, mira. And then he went. And I'm like, what? And then a bird comes over, different little lands, lands on this, this street. And he goes, he goes, Bess, do you see? He goes, otra vez, one more time. Bird, if you can talk to the birds, you can talk to people. Get it? And I was like, damn. That's crazy. My daddy do that too. He talked to the birds. That's crazy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And what, see, once you talk to Charlie Bird, that's Bird Parker. That, you're in a whole other league, man. <laughs> <laughs> So your father was a violinist? Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, um, also, what, what, where were you born? I was born in Autlan, Jalisco. It's a little town in between Guadalajara and Puerto Vallarta. If you blink, you missed it. Okay. It's very small. And how long, how long did you stay there? Like, what was your family situation like? Did you have brothers and sisters or... Was it a musical thank, family? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, from 47, where I was born, till 55, we left because my mom was the one that would always say, nos vamos, which means we're out of here. You know, because my dad was already living in Tijuana mm-hmm. and sending us money from, from Tijuana, you know, because it got really hard to make a living in Outland Jalisco for my dad and feed, feed four sisters and two brothers and my mom and a lady who was working with us. So it was a lot of people to feed. And uh, so my mom says, we're out of here. You know, your dad sent me some money to kind of like, you know, make up and console me because she, they haven't seen me for almost like a year. So he sent me some money for me to buy a stove, though, though we're living almost in the streets, you know? Okay. And so she goes, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to give it to this guy that your dad knows. He works as a cab driver in the center of town. I'm going to give him half of that money and use that money, the, the rest of the other half, to feed you guys. But we're going to Tijuana and we see you, we're going to see your dad. And if, if your dad don't want me or you guys, he have to tell us eye to eye mm. in front of us. Gangsta. So, she, <laughs> so my, mom, my mom was like that, you know? So I was like, oh, so, so we all got into one car, man. And we took us like a week to get there. And, you know, it's, it's a long story, but, but it's a story of this, man. My story is my mother is pure 
conviction, a pure conviction woman. And my dad, pure charisma. I mean, this dude, man, it was like people look at him like, like he was like Clark Gable or something, you know, like women, oh, <laughs> women, oh, the Jose, you know, they just melt and stuff. So I got those two from my mom, charisma and, and, and conviction. And it gave me something that is very important for musicians to show up with not arrogance, but confidence. Like, my, like Miles Davis, confidence, you know, Tony Williams, confidence. So wait, you know, what, what happened though, Carlos, when she got there, she wrote, she rolled up with confidence, but did she succeed in what she wanted? Well, yeah, she had to knock on the door uh, where my dad had sent the address from this letter. And it was three o'clock in the afternoon and nobody would answer the door. Right. And, and so she, so she knocked harder and then this woman opened the door, you know, mm -mm. And, and, and yeah, and she was, <laughs> and so, no, first, before she answered the door, there was like a, a, a wine or derelict in the streets. And she says to my mom, who are you looking for? So she, my mom described my dad. He goes, oh, he's inside. Knock again, louder. So she knocked again and the lady opened the door and she started screaming at my mom and cursing at her. And she was making such a rockets. My dad, my dad came out. And he, first thing he looked at, first thing he looked at me, first thing he looked at was me. And he was mesmerized. He's like, and then he looked at my mom and the rest of us like, what are you doing here? Oh, and, and his, and his face looked like uh, the, 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 the NBC peacock with all the colors in it. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, my mom, my mom was like, you know, she did her thing, and next thing I know, he left that prostitute that he was staying with, right. you know, and then she took us into this other place, and you know, it was the it was the worst part of Tijuana. <laughs> it was the ghetto of the ghetto, ghetto, you know. Right. They didn't even have a roof yet. They were still building this house, you know. I don't want to sound like like melancholy, whatever, okay. but but you know, it's, it it is what it is, and all that stuff gave us conviction. You know, because there's there, you, you, you can only go up from here. You know. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever go back to your original hometown, or have Outland. you been back there? Yeah. Yes, I went to Outland a couple of times, and uh, we, I started the clinic by the grace of God. Of course, you did. You know. Oh wow! We started a hospital clinic. Uh, we invested I don't know how many millions. Because I, I, I don't keep track of numbers and records. I don't know how many records I record. But anyway, we're able to to have a uh, what is it called? Uh, foundation. I, I, yes, it is a foundation, but it had a specific name, uh, Santuario de Luz, like a sanctuary of light, you know? Okay. Hmm. And, and, and we had the latest, and people from uh, out Las Vegas in Seattle, they donated brand new ambulances and stuff. So this 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 hotel, I mean, this hotel, this hospital, is just, it's no joke. It's really, really, really state of the art, you know? Wow. That's awesome. But I told, but I told him. I think we. I was doing that for fifteen, twenty years with them, and I told him, "You're like a teenager now. I'm going to back off, and you need to pay your own now because you can't depend on me." <laughs> hey. you know? it's, right. it's like when you tell your kids, man. You know, you, you need to pay your own rent, and you pay the water. You need to pay. You know. You know. And so I says, "So I'm backing off." You know, you in the town, the mayor. Here is the here's the thing, man. You got it. You take care of it. Because now I want to do one in Tijuana, in Juarez, and, and you know, I, I don't know if you ever heard of Three Squares. 
it's, it's, it's a place where they, they have food. This lady, Julie, Julie, Julie Mary, mm-hmm. before she, she was going to die of cancer. And before she said, before I die, I'm going to create big, jimongous buildings like, like, uh, like Walmart, tall, fill them up with food and feed the kids in Las Vegas. She did that with two buildings. She never died. Oh. And we learned so much from her. Now, if you just take your time and go to three squares and you see what's happening with this building and you see people donating their, you know, the thing about Las Vegas hmm. is that the thing about Las Vegas, there's a lot of people that I call weapons of mass compassion people who wake up to be of service to humanity. You don't hear hmm. about them. You only hear about the, the, the clubs and the streets, but there's bona fide people who I call weapons of mass compassion people who they roll up their sleeves, they cook, they pack, they do all kinds of things. And they're always helping and healing, correcting and curing humanity's mentality. How, how did you know that, that that was your particular calling, at least for you donating that center? Like why not a school? Why not, uh, you know, housing development or whatever? Like, what was it about, doing a not a hospital but like a, a center what what was it about that that you felt that's what the town needed thank you for asking that i grew up with tito puente and baby king uh-huh. believing that i could be somewhere in the middle but in the meantime i was checking out dolores huerta martin luther king uh, mother Teresa. so i would say well i'm going to do this so i can do that you mm-hmm. know so i'm, I'm going to play music and with the, the energy or money from that I'm going to give it to 2,500 clean to Mr. Desmond Tutu to help the children with AIDS so they can have uniforms, so they can have shoes, you know, because if you don't have shoes and uniforms, you can't get into the classroom. So I donated, I did, we did a whole tour. Mm-hmm. I paid my taxes and I pay my band and what was read, the rest of that, I gave it to Mr. Desmond Tutu clean one wow. check. You know, and I did it because I'm constantly like you and you and everybody here. We're constantly being nudged inwardly. Do this, follow that, you know. And so, but I said, but I don't want people to know that I'm doing this. And they said, well, I, I know that you don't want people to know that you're giving two million five hundred clean to Desmond Tutu to to help with the kids and the AIDS and everything. But see, if people do find out a little bit. And it will inspire other people to, to dig in their pockets. To, I says, so I says, but I don't feel comfortable because it feels weird to do something, and then it almost feels like, look at me, I'm doing no. And they said, he said, no, man, it's not like that. You know, trust us. So I was like, so that's why I did it like that. You know, I get it, I get it. Wow, wow, that's that's beautiful to hear. Um, eventually, of course, I know that you moved to the United States. I'm assuming you moved to the Bay Area. How old were you when you? Uh, settled into California? I moved from Tijuana the first time in 1962. And mom and I were not getting along. We, we weren't getting along for a long time, you know, because she was very domineering, very set. Like I said, a lot of conviction. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I'm i not like, with all respect to my sisters and brothers, I'm not that kind of guy that goes like that, you know? So right. I wanted to go back to where I was working. I was working in Tijuana in a nightclub called the convoy we would play for an hour and for the another hour there would be women stripping so they, they were like strippers you know? still so, yeah 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 so to me i was like oh this is like 
better than Circo de Soleil or whatever. You know, this was, yeah, I'll play, I'll play an hour, you know, green onions and, you know, um, something's got a hold of it. Play, play Eddie James and, and, and Booker T and all kinds of people. Wow. And for an hour, I get to see ladies, you know, strip yeah. and do the, do the thing because they have to feed the kids because they have to do what they have to do, you know? Right. But I was like, yeah, this, this go to junior high school in America. Oh, no. Heck no. I don't want to go to junior high school. I want to stay in this joint and, and grow up watching this thing over Wait, here. Wait, junior you know? high school, Carlos? You were like. He was 15. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Well, he was born in 47. So now he's wow. 15. Yeah. 15, yeah. And they put, plus they put me back because I couldn't speak English. The only words that I knew was stick him up. Oh. <laughs> and there's the animation from the most wow. peaceful yeah, man on the say, planet. There yeah. <laughs> there's our intro. <laughs> yeah. Stick him up. Because I saw Roy Rogers, uh, some TV show, Roy Rogers, and somebody said, stick him up. They pull a gun and he's like, whoa. I said, oh, stick him up. Okay. You know? So, so that was one of the first words in English that I learned. <laughs> okay. Who taught you how to play? Was guitar your first weapon of choice? No, it was the violin, but I, I I didn't like the way it smelled, the way it sound, <laughs> Wait, or what? the way it felt. Well, you know, because you got to get really Rosin. close to the, oh, the resin. Oh, the resin. Yeah, yeah, all that. You know, and I was like, ah. <laughs> and, and, and my dad, I didn't want to, you know, make him angry. So I finally told him, you know, I, I don't want to play this thing, man. And so my mom took me to the center of town in Tijuana, and there was a band called the TJs. And there was this dude named Javier Batis who had a big conch like Little Richard, big uh-huh. khaki pants, you know, big, big, almost like bell-bottom pants. And he, he was a component of three people. I mean, and he had it down. He was like B.B. King, Little Richard, and Ray Charles. That's all he knew, and he played it really, really good. So when I went to the center of town with my mom, because she grabbed me by the hand, you're coming with me, and I was like, I said, you haven't played in a while because your dad is in San Francisco, and, and I don't want what he taught you for you to lose it, so come with me. So she pulled me by the hand, man. She took me to, to see this guy, and they're playing, you know, they're playing. And the, and the way he hit those notes, he had that twang, like B.B. King, Freddie King, Albert He had that twang thing. And I was like, <gasps> it was like seeing a flying saucer, man, or a first white whale or something, man. I was like, oh, my God. Right there, I knew that's the only thing I was going to be, right there. Because of watching a guy play, I mean, you could when he when he played the guitar, and the notes resonated against the cars and the trees and the church across the street. Man, I was like, "Oh my god!" The sound of the guitar, man, is very, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray, you know, it's Albert King, it's everybody, you know, it's very it seduces your senses. It's it's, uh, Lauren Hill says. Man, one note from you, it it assaulted all my senses. That's what she said. So that's what guitars, guitar, guitar, guitar players do. Because when you bend the note, see, when you bend the note and you know how to bend it, man, that's when people's hair stand up. You know? And, and even Miles, I, seen, I have a lot of pictures of Miles with guitars, you know, because he wanted to get into the guitar and he wanted to know how to, how to get inside that note. Mm-hmm. Bending, bending, bending. There's something very, very um, spiritual and sensual. Spiritual and sensual about the guitar, man. It's just, you know. All right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Carlos, if, if I may, can you just tell us about the moment uh, or the moments leading up and the moment after when you received this first guitar? Because I, it's, it's got to be a special moment. Well, yeah, it was a special. Thank you for asking that. My dad found out from my mom that I didn't want to quit music, but I wanted a guitar. So he sent me a big, fat guitar, sort of like Wes Montgomery, you know? And, and uh, it had pickups, but I was so naive. I changed the strings and I put nylon strings. Because I didn't, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, man, I can get a sound from this. And they said, no, you need to put it, you know? So I changed the strings again. Then I, I got in it, man. When I got in it, People were telling me, you shouldn't play bass, man. Because I started with the bass after that. You play too many damn notes to play the bass. You need to play the guitar. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay. So, you know, um, it was, it was a, it's, a, it's all been a revelation, man. Being in this planet and learning how to articulate first electric guitar and then Olatunji and African music. Mm-hmm. You know, because once you get into the drums, like I said, I love drums so much, man. I marry a drummer, mm-hmm. the drummer, the drummer, know, the, 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 <laughs> the drummer for me. You know that 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 is uh, the closest to Tony Williams alive. You know because yes. that, you know that she because <laughs> she had much. You know anyway. So that's a beautiful combination. You know the 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 guitar, Tito Puente, Olatunji with BB King, mm. man. 
That's a badass combination. Next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, everybody has congas and timbales, man. Next thing you know, like the Rolling Stones got congas and timbales. Uh, Sly's got congas and timbales. Miles got congas. Why? Something happened at Woodstock. Mm, okay. Because of Woodstock. Because mm. it worked. Because they, they said that it works. See, guitar and congas make women dance differently. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> the, the, you know the, the hippies, the hippies, ladies. You know, they, they they're dancing like they're catching butterflies. Like mm-hmm. This, you know, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but when you play. But that is the standard with- white girl dance. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never once thought of it as catching butterflies, but you did it oh, perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. right. but then you play a guajira, you know, which is like charanga, guajira, reba, reto, tiro, puente, with BB mm-hmm. King. It's pure. Look, look at it. Look at it. Oh, sorry. Sp- <laughs> women just go oh yes. okay mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Hey, yes. hey, hey hey wow hey, See, hey, you hey, hey. if you get the women to dance to it then it works okay uh i had questions uh, carlos about two uh particular players and their influence and on on your playing and just you guys personal relationship uh my vishnu john uh uh, McLaughlin and also uh, Peter Green. Um, what can you say about you guys work together? Oh well, thank you for asking that. You know, I knew about I knew about John from a bitch's brew, and uh, but somebody told me in between I was playing at the Fillmore, and a brother who was taking care of like a ballet for BB King. He had a day off, and he says, "Man, you coming with me?" I says, "Where are we going?" He says, "We're going to go to Slugs." Says, What's that? It says it's a club man, in, in in Harlem. And I, says, I said, well, who's playing? He says, Tony Williams Trio, John McLaughlin, Larry Young, and Tony Williams. And that place mm. was small, but they were loud. Right. They was were this so the loud. ego period? This is before it. Or lifetime? Okay. Emergency. Okay. Emergency. Emergency. First emergency. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when I first heard him play, again, it's, it's, uh, it's a different kind of revelation because you're going from John Lee Hooker Lightning Hopkins, Jimmy Reed, B.B. King, Freddie King. You're going to a cat like John McLaughlin who's playing a combination of Django Reinhardt with Ravi Shankar with uh, Wes Montgomery. And he's burning, burning with this dexterity, mm-hmm. him and Tony Williams. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I didn't know people could actually play like this. And here's the word. I didn't know people who I didn't know people could articulate mm-hmm. this kind of language that is beyond superlatives. Was was Tony, you know it's weird, um one of the very first American, not American root shows, but one of the very first root shows once we got our record deal, Tony Williams was also at the gig, and I'm really kicking myself that I didn't watch him like i didn't really start to worship him even though i knew him him well or knew of his work well but you know unfortunately like i guess when people pass away then you really you start to hear their music differently and um even like this the 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 next book that i i wrote like chapter one is is actually dedicated to there's a tony williams song called there comes the time 
Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's how I met my original manager. My manager used to be like a, a DJ at a, a jazz station. And I don't know, like I was really transfixed when I heard that song and like, it, it just always stuck with me, but I always wanted to know, like, since you got to witness prime Tony Williams drum, was he his cymbal playing to me? And I, I get, you know, that, that Cindy is also like a branch of the Tony Williams tree. Was he in person during his prime? Was he as violently loud as a drummer as I imagined that he was? Because my only testament, you know, besides what I see on YouTube, um, but, you know, a lot of that stuff is more like 80s Tony Williams, but there's really not much of the late 60s, early 70s 20, Tony Williams uh, archives available. But what was it? What was his power like? Like, he was just one of the loudest drummers I ever heard. I mean, I heard Cream in their peak. I heard Jimi Hendrix at his peak. I heard Led Zeppelin at their peak. I have never heard anybody play like Tony Williams. John McLaughlin and, 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 and Larry Young. Not one of them come close to, to dynamics and, and just pure energy that these guys have. Plus the mentality, it's not even mentality because it's not mm. mental music. It's, it's, it's um, you know, you can't put superlatives on Tony Williams or, or, or John Coltrane because th there's just no words in this planet to describe the unknown. And unpredictable. But, it's, but you're seeing it, you're hearing it, and you cannot believe it. You know, let me give you an example. I zoomed in on his hi-hat on, on, on his foot, and he was left, right, like, like that, but at the, speed of a, at the speed of a hummingbird's wing. And he locks it. So he, that's locked. It's not going anywhere. Now he can do whatever he wants to with his right hand and then with the left hand and with his foot drop, drop bombs. But I've never seen anybody lock a hi-hat Wow. At a, the speed of the hummingbird's wings and locked with total confidence and assurance. I looked at him and I was like, right. oh, my God, this is like my brain just was like, uh, I, I feel like my brain's getting like stretch marks, you know, from, from that's the best band I have ever seen in my entire existence. And I love Jimmy. I love Cream. I, I love Led Zeppelin. I love a lot of them. I have never heard anybody with the, that trio like that. I believe you. I believe you. You know, we, um, a couple of episodes back, uh, we had Rafael Sadiq on our show. And, you know, to hear him describe the Bay Area and what it meant to grow up uh, in the Bay Area at the time when musicianship was at its absolute peak you know with with san francisco like with the 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 summer of love coming into play and into bloom and especially like in oakland with funk brewing over there how how is that well for him he was just describing it what it was like to be young to you know casually be a 10 year old and see larry graham or to casually see you or you know all these musicians that are in the area. What was it? I mean, because you're one of the pioneers in the Bay Area. What was it about that that particular place on the map that just made musicianship on a whole nother level? Like, can you just 
I mean, I'm I'm assuming by you know by at least the mid '60s, you you got your chops up. So, can you just describe pre record deal, pre Santana first record, like what what is the 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 modus operandi of a musician in say 1967, 1968 in the Bay Area? Like, is it jam sessions galore? Is it like who your peers at the time? Ground zero for consciousness revolution. You know, besides LSD, peyote, mescaline, ayahuasca, you have Charles Floyd, you have John Handy, you have uh, Ravi Shankar, you have Otis Redding, you have James Brown, you have all all of it is in one particular, like a a, a nebula, you know? And then you have B.B. King, you have Albert King, and then you have, uh, who else? You have... Lee Morgan, you know, yes. you can go, you can go to any club, man, and hear this, this, you know, George Benson, this cat, this before George Benson was singing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was, he was tearing the guitar up in a whole other kind of way. So for me, when people say, what are you going to do tonight? I says, man, it's hard to decide. I'm going to go to the both hand club and, and see uh, Miles Davis, or I'm going to go see Mongo Santa Maria or West Montgomery or the Grateful Dead or Sly Stone you know, and it's all like right there, you know, and and so what makes it more delicious is that you can actually understand what they're doing. You know, it's not out of the realm of, of your understanding capabilities. And it's like if you, if you keep looking at it and hearing it from your inner ear, you can see what what they're doing. You know, it's just a matter of like going home. And articulating, getting close to the facility, because you have mm-hmm. to have a certain kind of facility or to articulate, you know, I mean, the difference between, I can tell in one note, the difference between uh, Lee Morgan or, or Freddie Hubbard or Miles or, or, or Clark Terry, you know, just, just trumpets alone. I, I know the guitar players. I know the drummers, you know. And so mm-hmm. for me, growing up in San Francisco was like the ultimate university of being connected to it all. And at the same time, develop your own individuality, uniqueness, and authenticity. You know, because anybody would tell you, man, don't play my shit. Hey, go get your own, man. You know, don't, don't, don't come over here playing somebody else's shit, man. You know, and they give, they give you that look, you know, like, hey, man. You know, they do that in Africa also. They might have 50 drummers, and each one has to play their own thing. They give you a dirty look like, man, don't play my thing. Go get your own thing, you know? And it was like that in San Francisco. You, you, you have to find, you know, the difference between Sly, Steppenwolf, and Creedence Clearwater, you know, Tina Turner, Albert Collins, Albert King, you know? And, and, and for me, I was like, I couldn't get enough, man. I could hardly, I didn't even want to go to sleep because I just want to soak it all up. I said, mm-hmm. man, I, I must have died because this is heaven, heaven. You know, if you if you want to just check out John Lee Hooker and The Doors and Coltrane, I Love Supreme. It's, it's the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. 
Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, can I do a follow-up to that question, Steve? Yeah, I'll I'll allow it. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. Um, Here's the thing, though. Because your debut album, and I want to know how you got your record deal, but your debut album also arrives at the same time, right in the same month as Woodstock, which clearly that's the event that will define that generation. But what I also noticed was that right after Woodstock, it's kind of the you know the the, the turn of a new decade. And things got darker, you know, a lot of cynicism, uh, a lot of darkness, especially in the music of Sly. And, you know, I'm, I'm and I'm conflicted on there's a ride going on, you know, because, yes, it's it's the first funk record. And I can't deny something that literally puts food on my table to this day. But I also know that that album to me is almost like Sly falling on his sword, if you will. Like his personal demons also coming to light, but that you know. But I also feel like, with the exception of of a choice few, you seem to be the only person from the Woodstock, the class of Woodstock, that still stayed in a, a spiritual lane. Like you didn't get dark, you didn't get you didn't get cynical. You know, I don't I don't know what was happening in your personal life at the time, but. Can you explain why when everyone else uh, at the turn of, of 69, 70, 71, when they all went to kind of a, a darker creative place that you didn't venture there all that much? Like your music, and even though like 
of course, like by the fourth or fifth album, you sort of slid away from, I guess, what Clive would have liked, loved you to keep churning out the hits and whatnot uh, to the level of, of the first two records. But, you know, you you didn't go dark. And c- can you explain why or what was happening, at least at that time, that just caused everyone to go to just a darker, cynical place with their creativity? Thank you for asking that. You know, most of it comes from my mother saying to me, eso no es para ti, which means that is not for That's you. That's not for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, you know, the cocaine, cocaine shooting up. They said, eso no es para ti. That is not for you. And she said it so loud and so engraved in my thing. Uh, so the, the other thing is that I, I want to just pause for a second and tell you, I want to offer you my deepest gratitude for bringing out the Black Woodstock from, from Harlem. Because, man, I just saw it this summer, okay. and I was like, damn, I, I got all these questions to ask you, man. Like, you have the whole thing from Sonny Chirac? I want, I want yeah, the whole man. So, yeah. so many people <laughs> have asked about that. Yeah. So awesome. I am, I you're the second... Good. You're I, the I, second very famous guitar player that wants to hear that. You and Pat Metheny can go down on Sunny Rock Band all day. It was amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do, I, I, I'm connected with Dave Snyder, which is his keyboard player. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, I, I made a promise to create uh, a jubilation. Okay. That's the name of the, uh, the CD. Now, I'm going to have all the drum, guitar players that I love, and each one's going to pick a song from. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I already decided you're going to be my shaman. So, yes, I'll, I'll share that with you. Something I've never seen. <laughs> had you heard of that concert in real time? Like, had you heard of what was going on in Harlem? I, Black I didn't want Yeah. Well, I don't. It's not called the Black Woodstock. We don't do that. I know. Sorry. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm sorry. What do you call it? Summer, summer, soul, summer Summer of soul. soul. Summer of soul. And the con. I mean, the folks that live there called it the concert at the that park. Um, what's the park again, Amir? Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey Park. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you know about it in real time? No, no. I, I mean, I heard it floating around because. The person who told me about this before anybody was Greg Enrico because he knew it existed. He didn't know how to get a hold of it, you know. Right. And and so that, those are the two things that I want. Actually, I need a lot because to, to answer your question again about not succumbing to the predictable victim, uh, pathetic, predictable mentality of being uh too st- too high to play, which is a contradiction because when I, when you play, you get high. You know, so that means that you're doing something chemically that you shouldn't be doing because now you're uh, you're putting your you're putting your light, your spirit, and your soul to the side, and your ego is saying, "Hey, man, I got this." And meantime, you don't sound so good, or look so good, or smell so good. <laughs> you know, so so what I did is like I I, I pay attention to the staple singers. Because I, I hung around with them in Pop Staples, and I hung around, you know, with John McClock. And so I, I basically, I joined in a West Point type of spiritual discipline path mm. with Rich and Moy. And that kept me 
from self-destruction because you know here here's the thing before we move on there there is such a thing as self-deception and self-discovery okay talk about it so self-deception is this (laughs) 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 no self-discovery is like i'm gonna open my heart and let god in the universe like like our blakey said it here's our blakey from the creator through us for you. That's for me. That was higher. That was higher than heroin, cocaine, or any of the other substance like that, man. From the creator directly through me for you. And once I heard about that one, wow. then you know I'm, you're not gonna bamboozle Santana into thinking less than my light, my spirit, and my soul. So, no, no, we, no ayahuasca, I was, no. I about to say, yeah, it sounds uh, like self-deception is cocaine, but self-discovery is shrooms. There we go. That, that's, that, that's, 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 that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I, I, I would like to also make clear that, yeah, I think with ayahuasca and we, like, I don't, I never consider those drugs. It's plant medicine. More than, you know. No. Maybe the FDA does, but, yeah, no, you're right about that. I'm yeah, because they don't I, want us enlightened. I'm with it. I mean, I was just, yeah, just curious. I'm I'm in the baby stage. Do you often do like uh, sound baths or rituals or those sort of things like sound, uh, spiritual sound journeys or those sort of things like with a spiritual community or anything? The closest thing that I do now to any of that is get a heartfelt hug from Cindy and stay there. Yeah. Wow. What else do you need? I would take one of those. That was there. You go. Yeah, not to be creepy, but your wife is amazing. (laughs) Go ahead, Steve. Oh, okay. Um, Well, I really want. I really want to get to like Kirk's questions, but but I'll I'll ask one of my two questions now, uh, since we're sort of in this time period. Um, I wanted to know if you could tell our listeners about Luis Gasca. Um, you were on an album in 72 with him. He's a trumpet player. Uh, the album's called for those who chant. And I just wanted to put a little light on that, on that name. If you could tell us about him. Well, thank you for asking that, man. When the band broke up, you know, there was a period, a specific night when I said to a certain musicians, uh, I need so-and-so to be out of the band because they're supplying the rest of the band with heroin and cocaine. And we sound like crap. We don't practice. And this is not, this is not the band that I make, that I want to be in. Uh, our, our platinum albums are collecting dust, and we're not moving forward. So I want this guy and that guy to be out of the band, or I won't be on the plane. And they said, well, then it's not your band. You won't be on the plane. I said, okay. So they left without me, you know. And so what I did to console myself, I went to the Basin Street West in Broadway, San Francisco, Hung out with Luis Gasca, Joe Henderson, George Cables, and this drummer, uh, a drummer who played uh, Marshall. This, this, and and they, they allowed me to come in and sit in, man. I was like, they said, go ahead, Santana. You know, so when they would. I was like, oh, this is. This is different, you know, so I wasn't afraid to not be in Santana anymore because the whole world was embracing me to learn from Joe Henderson and Luis Gasca 
and and everybody else like that. Uh, uh, Eddie Eddie Marshall, I think, is his name. Okay, you know, uh, and and so uh, God found a way for me not to feel sorry for myself or be uh, you know like tripping on you know what's going to happen to poor me. I don't think like that anyway. You know, so I just went to the clubs and started sitting in with people, and they were so gracious enough to be patient, though I didn't know a lot of the changes, but I knew when to play and when not to play. Mm-hmm. But even if it was your band, you were willing to leave an organization that had your namesake as its name? Yeah, because at that time, it was more like a lot of bands. It was democratic, you know, until I realized, no, it has my name, and I can't have somebody wearing a, a Santana jacket going to the wrong places in town doing the wrong thing. Because then it's going to come, come back, back on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So anyway, to me, all that stuff was a blessing in disguise, man. Everything that has happened to me, like the so-called career suicide, which I done three or four times, you know? <laughs> uh, but at the meantime, I'm hanging around with Herbie, you know, or Wayne, or I hanging around with Alice Coltrane or, or Larry Young, you know? So every time I commit career suicide, I'm learning from the master's masters. And, and so, hey, man, this, this, is, this is just la creme de la creme, you, you know, hanging around with them. You, you know? got to tell us about your Alice Coltrane encounter and the first time you met her, because it must have been yeah. spiritual at the least. Okay, so I got this, this one that um, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes because they're not going to believe it. But I don't care because I was there. So... Okay. She invited me to stay in her house for a whole week. And I was hanging around with the children because at that time they were children. And we would, we would wake up like around 1.30 in the morning and we would meditate first. And then she would play harp. And then she'd play a piano. And then she would play the, the world is her piano. And, and then we meditate again. And when we were meditating, it got really, really deep and quiet. And all of a sudden, I swear to you, I see John Coltrane coming right at me. One of many times. But this one's coming right at me, and he's got a snow cone with three flavors of ice cream. Right? And, she, and, and this is all inwardly. Mm-hmm. And so she's just next to me, and she goes, go ahead, try one. How did she knew what was inside my meditation? She goes, go ahead, go ahead, try one. So I licked it. And she goes, that's a B-flat diminished seven. Try another one. So I licked it again. Man, I was like, oh, my God, I'm an Alice Coltrane, and Coltrane's here offering me a snow cone with three flavors of ice cream, and each flavor is a guitar. I mean, they're chords, you know? Were they, were they a specific color? Did it correspond yeah. to a color? Yeah, they were like yellow, green, and orange. And what was B-flat diminished? Do you remember? B-flat diminished was, at that time, uh, at least but that particular night, was the yellow one. <laughs> and it, t- That's it awesome. takes the so awesome. <laughs> Okay, so you, you, you believe in uh, synesthesia. This is I a mean, clear case of synesthesia here. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I believe, look, I, I believe, I was going to say, you know, oftentimes when you have this level when you're at this this level of of this particular plane, a lot of inexplicable things start happening to you that average mere mortals would just think like, oh, that didn't happen or whatever. But you know, it's 
no, I I absolutely believe that human beings are regular human beings are just very limited in their three dimensional. Yeah, but in your higher thought, I don't think you're supposed to think of people like that, though. Are you? Well, like, no, no, I know mere that. Mere mortals, I, I, mere humans, mere. Well, I'm trying to paraphrase well, it because we're not a visual show, so I can't, you know. But, but it's like a house. It's like a house. You got the first floor, second floor, you know, the roof, and you have the basement. You know, so we're not we're not putting anybody down. It's just right. people, it's just a building. Uh, right. Yes, and right. so many and just, people want it. They just don't know how to get it. So it's fortunate yeah. when you can find it. Kirk, did you want to ask something? Uh, there's there's plenty. I realize we Yo, don't have it, a limited it, amount of time. Hit and uh, I want to talk about some gear, too, and that Hit side it. of things. But before I get to that, I have to say, Mr. Santana, I got to meet you one time. It was on, I think, on a where's where's that guitar shop? Uh, Mad Umanoff Guitars. No Mad Umanoff Guitars. Yeah, you well, used to be there uh, on it's West Fourth Street. It was in the it, village. Or? Yeah, in the yeah, village. In the village. I was yeah. with my son, and you walked out of a store. You like walked into us, and I was like, Carlos, and you said hello, and you looked at my son, and you said. Hey Angel, one day you're gonna heal the world. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> one battle rap at a time. Wow! <laughs> the yeah. night before this uh, encounter, we were watching a movie called Soul to Soul. Ironically enough. Oh, my mother was just yeah. talking about this. Yes. And and I said to my son, "It's the guy from the movie." So I'm wondering, in Soul to Soul, was that your first trip to Africa? And can you speak on that experience, whether it was your first time or not? Yes. Uh, to go to Africa in Ghana, Accra, Ghana, and the things that I've learned, yeah, Accra, Ghana, and to, to be uh, in a place where I get to learn about the shaman who was so profoundly powerful that the mayor would move out of the way. And the police department would get out of the way. I mean, everybody would get, get out of the way when this guy would come to, to the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. And Wilson Pickett would say, don't tell me anything about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear that stuff, you know, because he didn't, he didn't want to be put into an X kind right. of thing, you know, because you know, uh, he was afraid of, like, he was afraid. Mm-hmm. He was so, locked. Yes, he here. was locked. You know, so Willie Baldwin was playing with us because our regular timbala player, Chipito, uh, had an aneurysm. So we, t- so we took Willie Bubble with us. And Willie Bubble had collares, you know, to protect himself from, you know, the, the other, the Buddha from Africa. So he thought. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, he, so he got really, really sick, my, my brother, Willie Bubble. And so uh, Michael Caravella said, hey, man, you need to go to his room. Like his, I, I said, man, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. He said, yeah, but I've been here all night. It's your turn, man. Just grab some t- towels and wet him and, and, and put it on his head, you know, because he's sweating a lot. Just help him out. So I go over there to his room and the guy knocks on the door. It's a regular doctor, doctor. And he looks just like Ossie Davis, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, okay. And he goes, come on in. And so I'm looking at Willie and, and how you doing, man? And he's just, oh, man. You know, and so there's another knock on the door and it's the voodoo man, the main voodoo man, the guy who put him, he put the thing on him. Ooh. And, he, and he looks at me right in the door and I had a inner conversation like I did with Alice Coltrane. So I'm having this conversation with this uh, shaman. And I said, I know who you are and I know what you got. But if you want to deal with me, you have to go through this. And I had a T-shirt with Jesus in it. 
mm-hmm. said, so if you can kick his ass, I'm yours. Otherwise, you have to leave me alone. Just like that. He looked him in my eyes and went right around me and left me alone. <laughs> wow. You know, so I, so I knew that we had an understanding, you know, it's, it's all about energy. And he knew that I wasn't intimidated because I'm, I'm holding on to sweet baby Jesus, you know, and, and I, I have a, a confidence again that sweet baby Jesus is going, is going to like let this cat know he's okay. Leave him alone. You know, he's, he's not a threat or anything like that. Just, just leave him alone. And, and, and so the, the being in Africa and learning how to articulate, you know, the rhythm of, of check this out. So we we were invited to a dinner where everybody's there, the mayor, everybody, and then they said, "Will you will you guys please take off your hat, hats, and, and stand up because we're gonna do the national anthem." Here comes the national anthem. National anthem, which, which is a which is a going answer. Good men go, women go, together. And I said, wait a minute, that's Bongo Santa Maria's national anthem and culture and play to go, no. This we were playing this song before Santa Maria was ever in this planet. This what? is our Yeah, that's right. In Ghana? Is in Ghana. That's there's a national wow. anthem in Ghana. Oh my god. Oh, wow. I'm so jealous. Oh, that's so, <laughs> that's so Teach right. me more. Mm-mm-mm. I'm gonna get there. You one serious? Day. Yeah, that's- man. Change your life, man. We always wow. did it first. We always, <laughs> always. I I that's, 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 that's the foundation. The revolution oh. bomb. Oh, that's man. Well, as a drummer, too. As a drummer amazing. boss, you should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the time when you start to come into the world's consciousness is kind of simultaneous with when loud electric guitar starts to come into our consciousness and um souped up amps and stuff like that uh there's a there's a rumor that um mesa boogies are called mesa boogies because you tried out an amp from a cat and you're like man this thing boogies and now they call it boogies is is that true (laughs) yeah i'll I'll tell you the other half of it the other half of it was like the other half of it was like, look, man, I, I, I need to bring your amplifier back. and, and, and the, the, um, I want to know if you can do something for me. Well, what kind of amp was it? It's a Princeton, souped up Princeton. Souped before up it Princeton. Was a boogie. Okay. It's a souped up Princeton before it was a boogie. Gotcha. And I, he says, well, he says well, what can I do for you, man? I says, I need for you to put another volume control. He goes, what? Put another volume control. He goes, what for? So I can turn this one to 10 and this one to one, and I can sustain and not drive people crazy in the hotel. Oh. (laughs) See, Kirk, this is why you're on this episode, because I would have never known to ask that question. Copy. Wow. (laughs) Copy. And who is the the cat you took it to? I I should know this, because I work with Boogie. His name is Randy. Randy Smith. Randall Smith. Randall Smith, that's right. Sorry, Randall, if you hear this. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app 
trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, something just hit me right now, and if I don't say it, I'll forget to ask it. But it just hit me. Wow, I can't believe I'm about to ask this question. I believe it is your albums that the world got to know the artwork of Marty Clairwine. Um, yeah. The um, Marty, Marty. Clairwine. Yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. the infamous, you know, he did Bitches Brew. He did uh, at least three covers for uh, Herbie Hancock. He did Last Days in Time for Earth, Wind & Fire. Had a very distinctive part collage i mean again if for our listeners out there just look up bitches brew look up abraxas i mean i believe abraxas was the one right abraxas is i think his first cover how did you discover marty clairwine and how did he wind up just designing for practically eight other artists uh on columbia and did you feel some sort of way when everyone wanted to use his artwork after you used them first? Oh, uh, to be with precision and specificity, it was Miles Davis with Bitches Brew. That came, oh. out, that came out That came out in 69. Ours came out in 1970. Now, the Abraxas okay. album, the, 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 the Black Naked Lady, that's Mary. And the angel with the conga, that's Gabriel. So that's mm-hmm. the annunciation that she's, she's going to get pregnant with Jesus. So the whole... A cover of Abraxas is actually called the Annunciation because Gabriel with the conga between his legs, the beautiful angel, is telling Mary, you know, you're either about to or you're pregnant with Jesus. That's what that thing is about. Wow. Okay. Do you have your, were you 
do you own the original piece? I almost bought it, but I did. I tell you what, I did buy in perpetuity. I bought the con, the angel with the conga. Uh huh. Every time you see that angel with the conga between his legs, that one is mine. I I bought that one from him uh, oh, okay. in perpetuity. In perpetuity, because that's what Santana is. As soon as you see that angel with the conga, you know that's you know right. That's that's the logo. That's Santana logo. Okay. Know? Yeah. Um. I think at Electric Lady Studios. Um, yeah. There. They didn't realize that they had uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, artwork for Music of My Mind, at least the inside that uh, Marty put together. They found it in the closet, like, after sitting in there for, like, 45 years, and they finally, like, framed it and hung it up. But, yeah, so, I mean, what was it What was it about his work that spoke to you? Acid. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right since you brought it up what is it about acid and do you recommend it and how Absolutely. should it how how should it be partaken i would assume in spiritual circumstances or what visions do you see i've never asked a person what is it like to take acid <laughs> it's a very per- but it's i'm a very willing per- to learn boys and it's a very right. it's a very personal <laughs> Experience a very personal experience, and I do recommend it under supervision. You know, so, so uh, they have, believe it or not, they actually have people's tours that they they, they go to South America in, in the jungles of uh, Peru mm-hmm. and, and Brazil, and they spend uh, a weekend or a week, and they do the ayahuasca thing, and uh, you know, it's it's a form of uh, getting rid of a, a bunch of personalities that you invested emotionally that is not you. Ooh. Ooh, tell me, oh, I'm in. You know, yeah. because cause your friends see you this way and then your teachers see you that way and then your mom see you this way, you know? Mm. But who really, here's the question, you know, well, the main question about LSD. Who really are you when you stand butt naked in front of your own light? Wow. Now I can do this not just I can do this with peyote or ayahuasca or acid or is there one all or there levels they do to the different shit. yeah, yeah, yeah thank you levels thank you yeah. <laughs> uh, you know all of the, all of those things are just like portals really portals. they're just thank portals you. okay they're just they're just spheres and portals that you walk into and if you're a nice person you're gonna have a great time if you're an a they yeah. Don't don't try it because you you know some people when you do it they, they make the mistake of getting under the sheets because they don't like what they're seeing you know and that makes it worse because now you got to deal with you. I've heard this, yeah. you know. So I've heard this. I, I had so much fun. I thought I was a kid man in Disneyland, and I, I had free tickets for all the, all the rides and and you know because I wasn't afraid and I'm still not afraid. And you're a nice person. And I'm a nice person. <laughs> Can I ask my second uh, yeah, and only sure. other question? Um, speaking of what you were just saying with regards to to taking acid, you 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 played on a song called "Pretty as You Feel" uh, with Jefferson Airplane in 1971, wow. and played with with Yorma Kalkinen on that song. Can you tell us anything you remember about that session or about playing with Yorma? And do you still talk to Yorma? We haven't seen each, uh, each other in a while. The last time we did something was a thing called Blues for Salvador with, with Jerry Garcia and Wayne Shorter and Bunny Ray. Uh, no, I haven't seen him. 
you know, it, it was, that was like a beautiful way for me to be accepted because Santana wasn't totally accepted, you know, in, in, in the San Francisco scene because we were rough. You know, we we're from the Mission District and we're rough. We're not necessarily like groovy, far out, whatever, man, hippie. You know, we, we were like, no, man, we don't, you know. We, so it was different until I started smoking weed and taking the LSD. Then I said, oh, yeah, now I know what they're talking about. Let's go to mm-hmm. Montana Pius and hang out with Quicksilver and the Grateful Dead and, and Yorma and, and Jack Cassidy, you know. But in the beginning, it was kind of like a rival uh, conflict kind of thing. And basically, basically, because of the mentality of Marin County versus the Mission District in San Francisco, which is like, like the Jets and the Sharks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you remember that session uh, for, for that song? I think I smoked a lot of weed that day, so I don't know if I remember it that <laughs> You were such everything hope else, to, though. Man, like, right? You were hope to stone wow. yeah, Listen, uh, I wanted to ask you, I know this is a little further in the timeline, um, what do you recall about the song Whatever Happens with Michael Jackson that you played on? on the, oh, uh, that is so sweet, man. That was so sweet. They told me, hey, uh, Michael... Uh, because at that time, after Supernatural, everybody was calling, you know, Prince and, mm-hmm. and Michael, and everybody wanted to find out if we could interact, you know, and mm-hmm. exchange. And, uh, you know, uh, being a fan of both Prince and Michael Jackson, I mean, to the max, you know, who isn't, you know? And, uh, I, I mean, I got, like, a bunch of stories to share with, with Prince, but I won't do it right now. But the one with Michael Jackson, I received this phone call, and... And it was from his last arranger producer. Uh, right now, I forget his name. He was the main guy. John McLean? Lopez. Huh? John McLean? No, I don't think it was. Nice producer. Oh, or, Jeremy or, Lubbock? Uh, was Jeremy Lubbock? No. Well, it was, getting it was also, what's his name from Philly? Uh, my guy. Uh, oh, oh, brand yeah, producer. Um, Jerkins. Anyway, Jerkins. And he called. And he sent they sent me the track. And, and then I, I played on it. And. And I was like, wow, you know, um, I'm just so honored, you know, that uh, I'm able to uh, be with Michael Jackson and with Prince. We, 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 we did a lot of things live, but we never recorded it. And same thing with Miles, you know. So I, I feel very uh, validated and, and celebrated because while it took him a long, 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 long time for the Grammys to acknowledge me and anything, mm-hmm. and they finally give it to me with Supernatural, like, you know, eight, uh, 11, nomina- 11 nominations, and, and I won the same, and I won nine uh, Grammys yeah, like Michael, you, did, you, did. you know, and what was mm-hmm. really crazy is like a, like, a, like a Supreme LSD. The last <laughs> one is Bob Dylan and Lauren Hill giving me the last one. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's Barry Balafonte and Wayne Shoulder. And that's all I can see, man. I just see Wayne Shoulder and, and Harry Balafonte and Bob Dylan. And and, and I, I, I remember saying, I am so grateful. Thank you for this beautiful night. Long live John Coltrane and John Lee Hook. You know, because that, that's my foundation. John Lee is like, he calls me and he says, Carlos. I says, yes, John. He says, I loves God and I loves people, you know? And, mm. and he called me one time 
for his birthday. And he says, I say, hello? Hey, man. Call me sometime. I says, how you doing, John? He says, man, when I hear you, your voice, it's like eating a great big piece of chocolate cake. (laughs) And I have it. I recorded it. You know, because see, I'm just I'm showing out right now because this is my validation, man. Yeah, From John Coltrane to John Lee Hooker. Hooker. That's that's what Santana is about. You know, with a lot of drums. For you, okay. So I was going to say when, um, uh, okay, we're going all over the timeline now. This might as well just be rapid fire. Rapid fire. Let's go. So the thing is, the thing is, is that okay? So in '85, when Prince said. You know, like everyone keeps comparing to me to Hendrix, but that's basically because we have the same skin color. But they really listened to my work. They would clearly say that I'm from, you know, the DNA of Santana, which is true. But this is what I want to know, um, especially with your work with both Lauren and Wyclef. And the thing is, is that, you know, when you're on uh, Zion. And the thing is, is like, and I, again, I know that, that Marachi playing, you know, that's your roots and whatnot, playing acoustic guitar. However, I'm, I'm almost, are you worried that people aren't really grasping what your artistry is. Cause the thing is, is that, and I'm not going into typecasting, but if I'm getting Santana on my record, I would have probably had you do something that's closer to the guitar solo. That's at the end of X factor X factor. Yeah. Which sounds, yo, I thought that was Santana when I heard that he was on exactly. the album. I thought right. that was him at the end of X factor. <laughs> and the thing is because of, of, you know, this is like CD streaming time. You know, you don't live with liner notes the way that you used to when it was cassettes and LPs. So I just always assumed that you were an X Factor. And then one day when I like just sat and read her liner notes, I'm like, wait a minute. Did she get to play acoustic guitar? Because like, oh, Mexican, uh, Santana, let me get him to play acoustic. And I was like, I wonder if she knows that his sound was really the sound of the song that came before that. And also with with the product GB and with Wyclef, the same thing. Do you sometimes... You're really about to make me wonder, look at this album. What's the song, Amir? What's the song? I forget. What? For really on Lauren's album? Yeah. Oh, uh, Lauren was Zion. Oh, it's Zion. Oh, but the one oh, we're talking about okay. is X Factor. Yeah. That's right. right. So what I'm, what I'm just saying is that, you know... I, I was trying to over, I was over, as with everything, I overanalyzed it. And I was like, well, did they take him out of his normal comfort zone hmm. because they didn't want him to sound like Carlos Santana? Or did they just not know? Because <laughs> I, I was just wondering, like, well, why would you have Carlos Santana just play acoustic guitar when he really would light up? Let me just start all over again. What was the creative process like when you did Lauren and when you worked with uh, Wyclef on your solo record and when you did uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill? Well, thank you for all, all that. You know, uh, let me explain to you how I arrived at getting the sound. Okay. 
So there was a picnic in San Jose, uh, like around the summer. And I went there and there was a park. And, and in the park, in the afternoon, they were playing uh, like a picnic. They were playing uh, mariachi music. They mm -hmm. were playing uh, Afro-Cuban music, which is like charanga, cha-cha-cha, danzón, merengue, you know, from, from uh, Dominican Republican and Guajiras, like Ray Barreto. And then you have a, a rock and roll band, you know, mm -hmm. like, like a bunch of surfers. You know. So I'm hearing all music at the same time when I got out of the car. I'm hearing okay. three different sounds, and I went, oh, okay. So it, it's, it's like, it's just like grabbing all of it and making one sound. And, and, and so now when people, they're still trying to define me sometimes, and I just tell them very politely, well, I am a multidimensional motherfucker. <laughs> That's a good answer. That part. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. that sums it up they, pretty well. So it was they, by they design. design. It was by design. Okay. Yeah, that 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 Mex or a Mexi Mexi C A N with capital C A N Mexican. Mexican. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. But the reason I say that, man, is because I have the confidence after being with Tony and mm -hmm. Herbie and Wayne and Miles, and they invited me into their sanctum, you know, and all of them: BB King, Freddie King, Albert King. You know, so it has given me a confidence that all I need to do now is just compliment whatever gets in front of me, mm -hmm. because I'm not going to let myself or anybody so-called encapsulate me or, or, okay. or put me, de de define me or redefine me. Because let's go back to Bruce, Bruce Lee. Let's, be, let's just be water. You know? Okay. So Carlos Santana what? has never played a lick that Carlos Santana ain't want to play and ain't playing out himself. No, 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 no. I, there's a lot of artists that, you know, I will respect. But if they would call me, I would say, oh, I'm kind of busy. And thank you I, I, right now. But my plate is full and my fa I got to do time with my family. And the only criteria that I wouldn't play with someone is if I don't feel it. Mm. If I don't feel it, I'm not going to play. I was asking just from the standpoint of, okay, for example, I'm, I'm probably guilty of the same thing myself, not because I told him to do this, but because this is what we chose to use. But the one time that we worked with Prince on a record, uh, Prince only played keyboards, which, you know, it's almost like, wow, you got Prince to play on an album that you produced and he didn't touch the guitar once. You got him to play. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got him to play tambourine, like that sort of thing. And I just, I just, I don't know. I just felt like once I found out that you weren't playing in your, the signature style that I know you for, I was just wondering why they didn't use that to the hilt on those particular records. But granted, yes, you, you're water and you can't be typecast and there's nothing that you don't do that's not you. So right. I respect that. That's right. Yeah, you know, the whole thing about this this interview, you can just summarize it in two words. Hit me. Impeccable integrity. That's it. You know, because everybody that I love, they have that sound of impeccable integrity. And with that sound, you get a standing ovation from God, 
the the angels and the devil, the devils, if that is there is such a thing. I don't believe in Satan, Lucifer, and, and, and the devil. You know, I, I believe in EGO. I believe that ego is creates you know the boogeyman and Wolfman and Dracula and all that kind of stuff. But since I'm in a spiritual adult, that stuff don't bother me. You know, I I I never seen the exorcist, and I don't want to because I don't I don't want to assault my my subtle nerves watching stupid movies that that people sell to to sell you fear. There's sure, enough people sure. selling you fear in every channel already. You know, so yes, I yes. go when I when 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 I when I'm thirsty, you know, when I'm thirsty, I go to Coltrane immediately in miles I, I, on the corner. You know, on the corner is like man is. You know, it's what's happening. That's New York City on the coast yes, yes. right now. Oh, wait. There's one question I do have to ask you about your, your 70s catalog. Um, one of my favorite records of yours is uh, Bor Borletta. Yeah. Now, for for that pe- period of your life, what is what is the creative process that leads to the crafting of those songs? Is it just you guys jamming like is it dumb br- bitches brew style where you just play whatever is in your heart and then you edit later like i don't i'm not certain who does your editing or whatever like your whoever your to is like is it is it pre-planned or songs pre-written or are you guys just jamming like spontaneously we just jam spontaneously. We didn't have the knife yet, so we never knew how to edit back then. You know, we it's, and I I, I I take pride in saying most of the stuff that I ever done is a one take. If I got if I got to go to the mm. second or third take, uh, let's go to another song. You know, <laughs> so so the one take allows me to to feel confident that I call Ndugu to play drums mm-hmm. and mm. uh, Stanley Clark and Armando yeah. Pedaza and Ayerto, You know. Mm. And because I can read how people look at me, man, if they don't want to be in the room and they don't feel like they want to play with me, then they won't. But I can see when somebody says, well, this is going to be interesting. Let's see where Sant- Santana want to go. You know, do, 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 Bam. So I'm thinking Pharaoh Sanders. Mm. You know, I, I'm thinking the things that I love, man. Pharaoh Sanders, Weather Report, you know, and, and and so when we when we hit it, I just we just gave him a little sketch of a uh, 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 of a clue, and then we we hit it. Okay, so that said, how are you able to miraculously at least engage in the patience factor with your respective label bosses, with Clive Davis, and with Walter Yetnikoff? in terms of sticking to your artistic vision, artistic vision and not giving in to what I'm clear that every time you play them, this is the final album where they're telling you, please, just one, just just work with this one songwriter so you can have a top 10 hit. Please, just one more Oye Komava, please. One, <laughs> you know, bl- Evil Ways or whatever. Like, how, because these, these albums are closer. It's closer to On the Corner Live evil bitches brew like you're in that creative zone. So how were you able to sustain that that magic at least for the the the, the two decades that you were with uh, with Sony, Columbia? Okay, with the exception of Clive and Bill Graham and a, and, a, and a Chris uh, 
from the gentleman who produced my, uh, Bob Marley. Right. Okay. Like Chris, so Chris Blackwell. Chris Blackwell. Yeah. Okay. With the obsession of few brothers like that, while people like Walter Yednikov, I don't know where he's at, but I don't care. So while people away, like that, yeah. I have an attitude that I say, I'm going to be here long after you're gone. Okay. Because I've seen nine of you come and go. I'm still here, you know? And so I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you can either, uh, and, and I went to this stuff with Donnie Einer and a bunch of, a bunch of, um, CEOs or whatever, you know, right? Mm-hmm. because I, I tell, and I tell them straight up, man, there's artists and con artists and I know mm-hmm. who I am <laughs> and you know who you are. I don't I don't have to say, let me do this because no, I'm just saying, I'm going to do this. And if you don't like it, well, then I just be in a, with another record company, you know, and my, you can talk to my lawyer and, and Bill Graham or whatever, you know, but you have to have a certain conviction determination that you're bigger than the company. Ooh. Damn. Y'all hear that? Dude, oh. man, this, this yes, might indeed. have to put Matthew Knowles in second place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, I respect this. I, might I respect. Be my, this might be my all-time favorite mm. interview. <laughs> That's such an education in so many subjects. Thank you. Hit it quick. I, I know I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I got a quick No, 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 please. Mr. Sanitizer. Why the PRS? I feel like the Woodstock was the SG and the Gibson stuff, and the, you're so defined by that sound of the PRS. Why? Why is that? Because it stays in tune and it sings really good. <laughs> the the I, SG. I, I wanted it to be a bigger answer than that, but if it's just that, that's cool. Okay. The, the SG neck. That's what I was saying. That it was like playing an electric snake, mm-hmm. because it was like it was moving around like a snake when I was playing it. And you see me making ugly faces. I'm, I'm trying to make it stand still, you know, <laughs> because the because the neck of the guitar is literally moving kind of like this. So it, so it, so it used to go out of tune a lot. And so I said, man, I, I, I need to have uh, one more time. I need to have confidence that my guitar is going to behave. Mm-hmm. So I stopped playing the SGs because the neck wasn't conducive to being in tune as I wanted to. So I got the Les Paul. And after the Les Paul, I went to Yamaha. And after Yamaha, I went to... Paul Reed Smith came to me and uh, very graciously said, hey, man, I made, made this guitar. And, um, but right now, it belongs to the, the guitar player. Uh, he belongs to Heart, you know, this, the group Heart. But uh, I'm going to send it to you for a, for a week, and you can't have it. You can just play it. And if you like <laughs> it, then I'll make you one. And so I, I, I love people with conviction and determination. And I like this so much. I've been with him since 78, 79. Wow. How many axes do you own, or is that just? Is, I, I don't. I don't know. It's in the gajillions. It's just in the <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I once it gets to like fifty, I get rid of them and I and I, I, get, I donate them, you know, to, to to feed people here in Las Vegas or to do this for schools, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, or hospitals or whatever. Because uh, I don't want to pay insurance on something that I don't play. Oh. Mm. Didn't think about it like that. Uh, damn, now you're making me feel bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, no, how I, do you I'm na- still keeping my drum sets. How do you navigate with the culturally or with the African continent? It's so interesting because I'm wondering, like, with all the different sounds, all the different cultures, all the different countries, and mind you, you you dealing with other cultures and stuff outside of the continent, but how do you navigate and through finding and discovering sound in that huge continent? And have you navigated it fully? Do you feel like you have? 
Thank you for asking that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's my favorite subject I know. in I know. music, which is the drums. The, the, the drum is the best. If you would, I swear to you, if we would just make it possible for the drums to be in the hood, the favela, the barrio, and the shanty towns, you know, you wouldn't need psychiatrists, therapists, analysts, pips, or drug dealers, mm. you know? Mm. Because once you play the drums, once you get into it, you, it's, it's like it's in your DNA, you remember that it's the language, mm-hmm. the language of light, you know? So I, I, I wouldn't mind doing with Brother Quest a uh, 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 a mission, you know, mm. to bring the drums back to the hood. Now we close up us, we close up the parks, you know, and with fences, and we put police in there, one way in, one way out. Okay, and you get a ticket when when you come in, and you have a gun, you get a ticket. You know, they they put a, you know, put, put the gun over there, and we will give you a ticket. You know, and there's like about guns for 50, drums. To 50, 60 drums and badass drummer players. And then you have one drummer, conga player, dressed up like a police, you know, so, so they can feel comfortable. And he's playing his ass up, you know? And so one, after about an hour and a half that they're playing, you say to them, okay, man, uh, if before you go, if you like the drum, you can take the drum, leave the gun. So we call it drums for guns, okay? And once we have enough guns, we melt them and we turn them into this beautiful angel with a fro. You know? Beautiful angel with a fro. With a fro. Yes. In Congress. In Congress. You know? That, I do like that though. That's dope. You, ju- you just had a download right now, man. Hey. It's in the world now. Drums for, Drums for guns. I might have to do that. That is amazing. I might have to do that. That sounds like an initiative. Wait, okay. It's an invitation, man. It's an invitation to do something that the police need to have. Because once we get the drums and people, and we say, we, we go to the mayor and say, we need for you to allow the drums to be played from 11 in the afternoon. New York needs this bad. You know, and, and, and in certain parks where people can just boom, 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 boom. All over the country, Amir. Think Philly. Think drummers yes. all over. Yeah, think this, this is an issue right now in New York City because because of gentrification. A lot of the spots in Brooklyn that I mean, Kirk can attest to he this. Said go like, to the hood. Those parks that those parks that uh you know that were known for their Sunday Saturday oh, yeah. all day drum The Malcolm X parks, yes, they're gone. Has has been stopped. Yes. Uh, Wait, in Prospect Park, they stopped that. Well, yeah, I think we still have our prospect in our drum circle in prospect. You park. have it, but I'm I'm seeing a lot of like, you know, the the, the first instance of Karening uh-huh. uh, oh, was uh-huh. noise complaints of like that's happening uh, all yeah. over the country. It already happened being, in DC. They turned the park from Malcolm X back loud. to Meridian, and it took Wait a minute. Why you asked the question before I got to ask my follow up question with your guitar? Is is there a seminal guitar that you'll always keep? Like your Woodstock guitar, or your are you sentimental with 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 your your children, or it's just like you know what you get you get, and then the rest just wind up in storage, or you give them away. I got two, two or three main quarterbacks, but I'm not attached emotionally to <sighs> any of them. You too, Kirk does <laughs> this too. Yeah, no, like no, Kirk, I, 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 
I don't, I don't let sentimentality or my ego tell me that I can't do it without this. No, I can grab any guitar as long as it stays in tune <laughs> and, and, and sound like me. Uh, you know, just like you. You're going to sound like you and your drums. Cindy's going to sound like Cindy and her drums, although she prefers Gretsch only. <laughs> I see. I see. Go ahead, Kurt. I'm just, today. Uh, just just to get um, into the mood for tonight. It's been a long time, but uh, I listened to uh, uh, Europa, uh, Earth's Cry, Heaven's Smile. Um, way back, even before I met the Roots, that was a uh, like a song that I would always go to for inspiration, and still remains. An inspiration to this day for me. I haven't heard in a long time. I listened to it today on the subway, and I kid you not, I'm sure it has a lot to do with things in this life I'm going through, but I wept. I wept openly on the subway listening to that song. So I thank you for that moment. And the other side what of that, this one? I want to know what. Uh, what guitar was that? What what amp? What do you remember? What combination was? This is the version that was from Moonflower. Okay. You remember? Yeah, it was. Um, it was the Les Paul that Neil Shaw and I got at the same time at Don Weir's music shop. That was kind of like the Manny's of San Francisco, and I was play, I was playing to a twin, just straight up, straight up to a twin, you know. Uh, but the song, the melody came from uh, watching somebody. Next to me, she was she was she was going to have a, a bad acid trip, you know, and so she was starting to freak out and get a, get a, get like a little, not little, a lot, really really paranoid. Yeah. So I went bam, do 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 do, the mushroom lady's coming to town. <laughs> so it's a song about a mushroom lady, which is a shaman, you know. I never put the lyrics on it. But my favorite one is Gato Barbieri. Gato Barbieri played a, a, an incredible version of that. Because uh-huh. he? Oh, yeah. He, my mother told me, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I like his version better than yours. I said, thanks a lot, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you ever play with Gato? Yes. Yes, we played in, in Chicago. and uh, uh, We played a couple of times, man. Uh, he, he knew I love him. I adore him. I adore him and Pharaoh Sanders because they both got that sound, you know, that sound. Uh, but, hey, man, before I leave, I do want to let you know that I'm going to invite you to uh, please know that I'm going to do my best to put this thing, Jubilation, an album for Sonny Chirac only, you know, with the baddest guitar players out there. And, 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 I'm, and I feel really, really enthusiastic about it. You know, I, when you feel enthusiastic, you get a lot of energy. So uh, I want to honor and celebrate my brother, Sonny Chirac, because I totally adore him. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing our show. Um, Damn. You dropped a lot of knowledge oh, on us. Man. Yeah. It was, and you know we're, we're gobsmacked because this is totally out of the format that we've ever done this show, but thank you oh, for yeah, letting us know. I like it. it Forever. You drop knowledge and now I want to drop Yes. Acid. <laughs> At least some peyote, something. Yo, can On I... the next Quest Love right. Supreme, we all drop acid. Oh, yes, we're doing that. Yes, I would we, love we're, Supreme. We're doing one. You'll be all right. Put you on Coltrane, I love Supreme, and you'll be all right. <laughs>
I believe that. <laughs> Yo, can you. I just apologize to everybody? Because this should have happened a while ago. But Carlos, true story. I saw you and Cindy in Cafe Gratitude down the street from my house like about a year ago. And I froze and I couldn't speak. So I'm glad everything happens for a reason. <laughs> it's always supposed yes, to. So big ups to Leo and Aaron for making this happen because it makes sure to happen a little sooner. But y'all look amazing together. It's just a beautiful rock and roll fucking just. Uh. <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> Thank you. Carlos yes. Santana, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Quest Love Supreme. Kirk. Thank you. Kirk thank Douglas, you. thank you for yes. joining oh, us. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank Pleasure you, Kirk. Was all mine. Pleasure was Monticolo mine. Captain Kirk. Kirk. This is happening. Captain Kirk. Thank you. We will see you on the next go round. Thank you. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right. Peace. Much Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.